Love your propane grill? Well, life just got a little easier with Propane Taxi. Stop lugging that tank. Propane Taxi is a propane grill tank home delivery service that's ridiculously easy and convenient. Just go online, choose a delivery date, and Propane Taxi delivers grill tanks straight to your door. You can exchange any brand of tank. And right now, new customers get their first tank exchange for $10 with promo code TANK10. That's $10 for your first tank exchange with promo code TANK10. Visit PropaneTaxi.com. No contact, no commitment, no problem. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Mental Roots, it's me Nathan Aday and yeah, if you've been listening already, thank you for the support, thank you for sending me some messages as well about how this podcast is uh, helping you. This is just a small uh, sort of podcast that I started, uh, mainly in conjunction with a short film that I'm working on with uh, Rural Media's new creative scheme um, and it's being commissioned by the BBC. It's a short film about uh, young black British male mental health. It's quite a lot of words. Um, but yeah, so it's kind of a fictional story, but it's based on real experiences that I'm researching through this podcast and outside this podcast as well. I'm just talking with many different black British people about their experiences um, and kind of uh, how they perceive mental health and how we can empower ourselves mentally as black Brits. And uh, today I'm here with the amazing Isaac Izakor. Did I say that correctly? Uh, it's Isaac Izakor. Izakor. Nathan. Actually, you yeah. know what? My surname's Ade. It's not. It? Yeah, Ade. Nathan Ade. I think there's. We get really used to um like the Englishes the Englishized versions. Of the Englishized. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is, um, wait, yeah. say your surname again. It's uh, Isaac Izeko. Izeko. Yeah. Okay. Mr. Izeko. <laughs> See, I like it. I like it. I, yeah. Um, but it's yeah, always funny when... <laughs> you you know those scenarios... I'm sure you've had this loads of times where the, your teacher in school mispronounces your surname. What's, what's like the most funny pronunciation you've heard? Izeko, I think, is... He's a call. I think, yeah, like it's like the I, the I becomes an I and E, and yeah. it's yeah, it's super strange. The funniest one I've heard um, is Adai. I think someone said Adai before. <laughs> yeah, it's but not... more often than not, it's Adai, and it's not Adai, it's a day. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> it, it, it's it's a um, we talk actually. I guess we'll get into this later on, but like. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm Isaac. I am uh, a, a creative copywriter uh, that works in the branding, branding and creative industries. And I'm also one of the co-founders of Nafsed, which is mm. a creative collective, which is basically uh, trying to do work, creating projects, um, launching initiatives that can help make the creative industries more diverse. And one of the mm. things, actually, because you suddenly just reminded me, one of the mm. things we talk a lot about with enough said and with the people we work with with enough said is how how the majority culture in the uk specifically is white 
and therefore white things are normalized and then there yeah. is a degree of discomfort with non-white issues so even like getting people's name right that that's no one who is not a lot of people who are white have had to experience the the stress of is this person going to be able to pronounce my name what do i do when this person doesn't know how to pronounce my name mm. yeah that's true that's true um so yeah let's just get into your kind of background where you grew up have you always lived in london um in fact before you get into it i'll just give some context to um how we know each other for the listeners so i used to go ravensbourne i can't believe we finished our degree now time's flown but yeah, um <laughs> we, i every time someone talks to me like um oh what are you doing now it's like oh i'm, I'm graduated aka unemployed officially because <laughs> everyone's unemployed for a bit yeah <laughs> yeah job, hopefully yeah um so yeah me um i went to ravensbourne um uni shout out ravensbourne mm-hmm. um i actually missed that place look very exciting I, place i do not at all i'm i'm very happy to be graduated <laughs> it's, it's a weird thing with uni you kind of miss it but then you're kind of happy it's over mm. love the people i not i don't wanna if if um hey derek hey brian hey steve <laughs> listening. i love you guys but i felt like <laughs> three years was enough in that place yeah yeah for, for real yeah um but yeah i did my foundation diploma there and then the first year of my degree um in hindsight i met you far too late i should have met you much earlier <laughs> mm. um but i got in contact with you i think it was mainly through the christian union was it yeah yeah, yeah um shout out guy shout out um tyler shout out who else um a few other people i'm forgetting tons of other people yeah yeah and i really wish i bonded with you guys um, earlier it was literally as soon as i met sort of guy i said i'm already about to transition <laughs> to university of derby so mm. um but yeah i think that was the main way i um got to know you and then i kind of knew about your musical side as well and i was like okay oh. this this guy's pretty creative um but yeah i forgot what course you did what course did you do again i did advertising and brand design that's the one okay yeah. cool so yeah and then um so on and off here and there i kind of kept in contact with you and then i guess <laughs> our degrees got the better of us and we just had to focus on our work um but yeah sorry i just so you've uh, um introduced yourself but also just tell us your background where you grew up have you always mm. been a londoner um and how did you come to like what was your creative journey like growing up as well mm-hmm. okay so i was born in nigeria um mm. my i need to get this right my <laughs> mom is yoruba my dad's benin okay um and i grew up there for five years uh, and then moved over with my mom and my dad to london and i've been in london since then for the last i think oh gosh 17 years i'm oh <laughs> nathan i'm 22 Oh, wow. that's a painful realization. Um, but yeah, so I've been <laughs> in London uh, for basically the majority of my life, the majority of my growing life. Uh, Did you like, still go back to Nigeria? No, I haven't been back since. Or holiday? Or um, no, my parents have, um, and they've also threatened to send me back whenever I wasn't behaving properly. Oh, we've all had that. We've all had that. <laughs> but, but they're yet to properly uh, ship me off. So no, London has. London, specifically Southeast London, has been my home mm. for the last 17 years. 
Oh, wow. Uh, kind of similar for me. Um, it's weird because I'm told now that I've spent four years of my life in Ghana in total, but I don't remember the first three. <laughs> I think it was when I was a baby, pretty much, you know. Um, I was born in Leicester, moved to London kind of straight after I was born. Um, and then I spent apparently the first two or three years of my life in Ghana. Mm. Um, but then the last time I went to Ghana was for the, the whole of year two, actually. So I went to school in there. Mm. Um, and at the time, it felt like there were, I was being sent off for being naughty because I remember being quite naughty in year one. Mm. Um, so that was probably part of the reason why I went to Ghana for a year. But I, I still remember it to, to... Sorry, say that again. Did it help? Did this, did Ghana stop you from... You know what? I think it did because I, <laughs> I remember, you know, the discipline there, you know, as you can imagine, you've got the cane in the classroom. I had... I didn't, I didn't get smacked too many times. It could have been worse, to be well, fair. I, I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> I do not know how I feel about that. <laughs> although, although one of the worst punishments we had was, it seemed that the whole class was misbehaving, right? Mm. And the teacher was so angry. So what he made us do was go to the front of the classroom and we all had to do like squats continually until we were tired. And then <laughs> I remember some children were crying. I was like... <laughs> remembering remembering it now it makes me laugh but at the time it was just mm. like i'll never right. be naughty again <laughs> so strange it was it was a strange very strange punishment now that i come to remember it but um regardless like it was a great experience it taught me discipline it let me taught me to be grateful for what i have and mm. I, I remember behaving quite differently when I, when I came back to England. So, mm. um, but I mean, I'll always remember it. I've never been to Ghana since then. So I came back. So that was the year 2004 to 2005. And ever since then, I've never, we've never yeah. been able to go to Ghana, but it's always going to be one of those memories I carry with me. So oh, it's a formative memory. It's like part of your Oh mind. yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway, we digress. Um, <laughs> Uh, let's continue with your upbringing and mm. kind of growing up. What was it like being in primary school, secondary school and your creative journey as well? And kind of, yeah. So, I mean, to kind of highlight real quick, I was not, I was not born to be a creative. Um, mm. My dad um, studied accounting when he was back in Nigeria and then he, when we came over to the UK, he worked as a youth worker, specifically helping uh, young people, disadvantaged people in care to be able to get mm. job roles and to be able to kind of get the right education to get into work. My mom mm. was an English teacher in Nigeria. She came over here. She became a nurse for a bit, then was a healthcare assistant. And mm. then it has that. And then was a midwife and has been a midwife uh, for years at this point. Wow. So like my my upbringing was very much like maths, chemistry, mm. biology, physics. Like my dad's taught me maths all, all the way up to secondary school. Um, and I was quite a bright child. And I, th I think this is the case for a lot of really smart children is when you're smart, they give you the tough subjects, quote unquote, the tough subjects. <laughs> yeah. um, so my teachers always pushed me down the science education academic route um mm. and also like i i loved it as well i i i knew i was intelligent i i liked the the pressure of achieving and 
I enjoyed all of the stuff that was associated with academics. So growing up through primary school um, and then going to secondary school, I went to Chiswurst and Sidcup Grammar. Um, mm. And throughout my experience there as well, it was very much like, oh no, I'm, I'm a quote unquote academic. That's what I do. From a really young age, I wanted to be a doctor. I knew I wanted to be a doctor, specifically a neurosurgeon. Mm. And again, no teacher when you come up to them and you're like i want to be a doctor looks at you and goes that's a bad idea don't do that you know yeah <laughs> it's a, like no one no one tells you not to become a medical doctor no one tells you not to um yeah. push for the sciences especially when you're smart enough to do it so yeah. that was the majority of my secondary school life um i what were my gcse's my gcse's were something ridiculous um i think i took latin history mm. german and drama drama was my l drama with it like in seven years of secondary school education drama was my only creative subject wow um and i got to sixth form same same sixth form chiswas and sidcup mm. you want to be a doctor then it's triple science and maths mm. i was the head of my medical society at um at chiswas and sidcup but like just to paint the picture of like i was going to be a doctor like my future was medicine everything about me screamed medicine um wow <laughs> and i think even like it's quite funny actually because i looking back i can see some really key parts of my character that would have said actually maybe there's a creative person here as well which i just completely ignored um mm. so i self-taught myself guitar from about 15 years old um i started learning how to produce music from 16 years old for, oh. for me that was like a super hobby i loved it but it was a hobby yeah um, for all of my jama gcse's i wrote all of the scripts for our personal performances and I, and I loved it as well i loved the stories i loved thinking about the characters i loved like creating themes that other people could understand through stories mm. um and it was only my gcse english teacher that was like isaac i think you should take English A level. Everyone else was just like, "Yep, uh, his doctor is equal. His future doctor is equal." Wow. Okay. What made you? Okay, so let's go to like the end of sick form. Mm. What made you want to choose digital? Like, sorry, what was it again? Advertising, advertising brand design. Advertising and brand design. Yeah. I didn't. I chose medicine, and I got into medicine. I. Oh. Um, I studied medicine at Imperial, mm. um, at Imperial College. I was and I was there for a year, and it was mm. awful. It completely mm. sucked. Um, the what sucked there, about it? I think it was the environment. I think being away from home. Mm. Um, community is a really, really important thing. Um, support networks are a really, really important thing. Mm. And a lot of the time, when we talk about stuff like depression, anxiety yeah um negative shifts in your in your mental health yeah people need to know what you're like before for them to recognize like oh there's a problem isaac does yeah like this mm. but when you're in that new environment no one really knows you yeah so it's harder for them to be like oh no isaac's been in his room for like four days <laughs> this isn't normal yeah someone should check on him um and i think just kind of being away from home, feeling like really isolated, studying a subject which I really, really didn't like. 
medicine the idea of medicine's great the idea of helping people is great sitting down and learning the krebs cycle is not fun um mm. and i just wasn't enjoying i wasn't enjoying my subject i mm. and during that time actually i started writing a lot more poetry i'd always like kind mm. of written stuff but like that was the moment where i kind of properly sat down and was like one of the ways i kind of dealt with that mm. loneliness was writing poetry um, i got it really really involved with my drama society uh the men's mm. drama society imperial as well i was one of the assistant tech directors and tech directed a few plays um like all in all like was like i the scientists sucked the course sucked and i kind of found myself drawn into more creative stuff just to deal with the whole situation and finally mm. and then obviously um that's all well and good but you still have exams i got to exams <laughs> and failed my exams because oh. your boy was not prepared mm. um was it because uh, kind of you're just not motivated or yeah kind of... i think it's just the overall like the environment um yeah my my headspace what was going on it was just like mm. i wasn't yeah i wasn't motivated to learn didn't want to learn wasn't really excited about medicine Mm-hmm. but did my exams failed them um was because i'd because i'd had insomnia throughout most of uh first oh, year so i had in right. a, i had extenuating circumstances as well so all oh, right yeah, yeah. Like, hey yeah you can retake these if you want and get to second year um and i was i was in the process of preparing to retake my exams when my dad kind of i think i don't even know what how the conversation started but he was like is this really what you want? Like genuinely, is yeah. this what you, is this what you want? Are you like excited about this? And I was like, no, not really. Mm. And he's like, okay, well, what would you like to do? And I was like, well, mm. I'd like to do something involving film, maybe. Like I know I like writing, I know I like stories. Um, so we applied to um, NFTS, the National Film and Television uh, Institute, um, mm. uh, for a diploma for a year, and then like while we were waiting for and the plan was do that diploma for a year and then go back to medicine afterwards <laughs> while we were, we were waiting for like the the application to go through my dad was just like like do you really want to go back you know mm. like do you like do you really want to go back to you need to study and i was like not not really <laughs> yeah. um and he was like okay well then don't yeah then scrap all of that just find a new degree to do yeah um, and so this happened this all happened like within the span of a week and so really really quickly mm. we started looking around for, for places i could apply for clearing through um ravensbourne seemed one of my friends at church had gone to ravensbourne and he, mm. he really really loved it so i looked into it and i basically called the clearing person i was like hey i have no qualifications i don't have a portfolio wow. what course will you let me on and they're like well you can do a foundation or you can do advertising, maybe, because we don't have a ton of people. Um, it's a new course director. Mm. Yeah, like, jump in, see like see how it goes. And I was like, <laughs> are you sure? Like, legit, I have no experience. I can't use Photoshop. I can't use InDesign. And he was wow. like, no, that's fine. It's not a design course. It's like a thought course. And then, yeah, and that's how I got on the course. Also, the clearing instructor lied to me because within the first week, we were working on Photoshop and work on this paper. So thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> you were thrown in the deep end, bro. I was thrown in the deep end, yeah. But that's how someone who had no experience, apart from like hobbies with creativity, but no 
academic experience with creativity kind of mm. somehow got into a creative course like till this day i'm still like it was it was a, definitely a god's grace situation like mm. things worked out in ways that should not have worked out <laughs> that's interesting man because even for me it's funny because for me i always knew i'd do something artsy i've always loved drawing um mm. and so even whilst I was in secondary school, I was thinking, maybe I might do animation. I'm, I'm thinking about it. Um, and I actually chose courses that were in line with that. I knew what I was doing. My parents said, yeah, I could, we can't deny it. Nathan's got the talent for it. Mm. And so, yeah, for me, I went sick form as well. I did art at GCSE and A-level and media studies. Um, and yeah, I did my foundation diploma. It's funny because looking back, I'm thinking I probably would have done well in animation without doing the foundation year, although the foundation year was still a great time where I met many people. Um, I met Zachary Agaizu, shout out Zach if he ever listens to this. Um, he's also an animator and does, I don't know if you've been following him um, on Instagram, but yeah, he does great stuff merging music and animation. So mm. um, yeah, I'm still <laughs> trying to keep in touch with him and Hopefully we can still work on something at some point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no so I've never wasted. Like none of no time that you spend learning something is ever wasted. Um, like even yeah. like, like my ridiculous, pointless year in medicine. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like the thought process, the people I met, tons of stuff about that experience mm. still comes out in a lot of the things that I'm involved in now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely a learning curve for me as well. The foundation mm. year. It, it gave me room to just experiment with the Adobe software because I'd never used Adobe software before, um, apart from Photoshop on, on one occasion in GCSE, but that was it. Um, so that foundation year still gave me room to create, see if animation was still for me. Um, yeah, and then it also helped me in my application for other um, animation degrees elsewhere, but even though I still decided to stay at Ravenswood. Mm. Um, but yeah, so I think that's something we can both um kind of agree on is that every moment you go through in life happens that there's always a lesson to learn in it you know yeah um and it's it's good to have that sort of mindset when we're talking about um just mental health and self-perception because this mm. is the idea of you know it's it's down to us right it's down to us how we channel the experiences mm. we've go through definitely um but also yeah. real quick some experiences just suck <laughs> yeah like, exactly well exactly some, yeah some experiences um um are, are not fun and not, yeah. i don't and and you know yes definitely i think um there are really really great things that can come out from some really even really bad experiences there's some stuff that we can learn i think mm -hmm. we would all prefer to learn those things in in environments that don't suck the question exactly. though i guess is like you said um like when we're going through really, really difficult experiences, I think it's there's an important recognition of one, this isn't going to happen forever. Um, and yeah. two, this is going to be helpful at some point. But that doesn't mean that that's like, that doesn't mean you shouldn't still know that it's difficult and know that it sucks and work yeah. through it. Yeah, I mean, if you go through a negative season, you should still try and do what you can to make that as non-excruciating as possible mm -hmm. yeah and that links quite well to the next thing i want to ask you which is you know the especially in that first year of doing medicine um you said you had insomnia um 
what's how did you kind of realize that you weren't okay was it just you being aware of yourself or did you mm. kind of need someone else to help you process it and how did you start going about getting help here's the know? thing here's the thing right i think i didn't realize how bad that year was until maybe two years ago like in my second year at Ravensbourne. Mm. Um, yeah, it was in my second year. So I have a lot of friends from Imperial, like tons of them are doctors now or in mm. their final year, almost doctors. And Sid, who's a really good friend of mine, like we used to hang out a lot in that first year. And every mm. time he met me, he'd be like, Isaac, you're so, you look so tired. And I'd be like, I am tired. I'm always tired. I'm constantly mm. tired all the time. Um, and then he met me and then we were talking again in like second year. He's like, Isaac, you look great. And I was like, huh. <laughs> <laughs> what what changed what has shifted yeah. in that time and i think um just the whole that whole ex year the whole experience of that year really weighed heavily on me and weighed not just on my mental health but like physically on me as well mm. um and i think it was it wasn't until like i was talking to sid and had that realization of like oh no like i'm way happier now yeah and and i recognized oh i was really unhappy then and and i just wasn't in a good place mm. okay so you kind of it was important for you to have someone who could have that outside perspective right mm, yeah because that's something i hear a lot about bad mental health is that you kind of don't know when you're in it and i think in a way i can relate to that as well because even I, I remember during foundation, um, it was very, I, I think at that point I started realizing I was good at animation. And then I started feeling this pressure of, I have to do this so well. And like, even before that, even during school, I've always been a perfectionist. I mm. always went over the top. Looking back, I put in so much effort in my key stage three work and it's like, it meant nothing. <laughs> I have I know friends who were just messing around and now they're doing well, doing pretty well paid jobs. And it's like hmm. I was sweating key stage free for no reason. But I mean, although it did help me. Yeah, it's a it's a balance, right? And for me, I've always been on the workaholic side of things. Hmm. And I've been I was such a workaholic that my final major project in my uh, foundation year was about working too hard, ironically. Um, at, up to that point, it was the hardest, probably one of the hardest projects I've ever done. And I was doing it about trying to maintain a balance in life. Mm. So that was quite funny. But um, yeah, at that time, now that I look back, it's like, how, how did I find that normal? Like, there was, there was mm -hmm. closer to the deadline, there were pretty much nearly all nighters that I did. You know, I'd, I think there was a few nights I, what was it? I think I went to bed at 10 p.m., woke up at 3 a.m., worked until 7 a.m., went to uni, carried on. So um, it, it was not good. And at the time, I was thinking, this is just what I have to do to, to try and get the great, best grade possible. And even then, I didn't even get a distinction. I got a merit. Mm -hmm. So it was like, it, 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 I've always felt like I work so hard and the grade I get is like, eh, well, I think it's a, it's a twofer, isn't it? I think my mum always, um, 
I think when we're in that space, there we have a tendency to be like, I just need to do this. I just yeah. need to do this. Just this. And whenever I say that to my mom, my mom always checks me on it. It's like, there's no just anything. Yeah. There's always there's always going to be something else. So there if, is, this, yeah. if this thing that you're doing is not something that you're comfortable doing, um, then don't. Or figure out another way to do it. Or figure out a better way to do it. There is no just. There is always going to be another so yeah. if this thing's going to lead to another of the things you don't want, then figure out how you can kind of sh change that narrative or go in a different mm. direction. Um, but no, I so, I so feel you. I mm. so feel you. I, there's so many times I've I've killed myself, like actually like um, probably done my myself physical and mental harm to finish Ooh. stuff. And then I've done it. I've put it out in the world and I've been like, it wasn't mm. worth it wasn't worth it i could have done it yeah. and i could have maintained a better balance a, a healthier disposition mm. yeah definitely um so yeah i mean let's go into the next part where we talk about let me get my questions up <laughs> one sec that's the thing. I always have a plan, but I always end up going off it. <laughs> <laughs> so we've kind of talked about how, you know, you had someone to help you through that. And, um, but also how, how, how did your creativity help you in, um, I guess, stabilizing your, um, your mental well-being in a sense mm. so you said during your year in medicine and we can even go past that and start talking about the the um advertising and uh, course that you did um yeah just talk about how especially when you were doing your new course how you know your growth and creativity kind of helped you um is there a link there Was, would you say that's an element in how you um i guess had better confidence in yourself um so yeah and here's here's a lesson to anyone who starts anything new give yourself give yourself time to learn it mm -hmm. um that year of my first year of advertising also was awful um mm -hmm. <laughs> because it was really hard <laughs> and i was doing something i'd never done before i was yeah. learning things i'd never learned before i was mm -hmm. in an environment where everyone else was way more talented than me yeah. Um, they knew more than me they had more experience than me and also i'm a i'm not a perfectionist but i like to be good at what i do i'm very much mm -hmm. of the opinion if you if you if what you if you're not the best at what you do or what you provide then do something else like what's the point like if there's someone else yeah. who's doing it better than me then why am i taking up space for them yeah. not that like I'm, and i'm not even talking about it in a career sense like there are going to be tons of people who are better illustrators than me but is there someone <clears> with but is there going to be someone who combines my perspective with my experience, with my concepts in a unique, in as unique a way as I do? If there's someone mm. else who's in that lane, then I want to do something else. I want to do something that only I can do. Yeah. Um, and I just was not feeling that throughout my whole, throughout the whole of first year. I was not feeling that. I was like, what am I good at? What's the point of me being here? Should I change again? Should I, should I change degrees? every year once a year for four years <laughs> and, have, and have four like and have one third of four different degrees yeah uh, I, I just wasn't sure i think my teacher my tutor at that time he has a phrase which was trust the journey 
And I think what really helped with that process was trusting the journey. Like, I'm not going to know everything now, but there'll be a point where I know more. And then yeah. there'll be a point where I know a bit more than that. And I'll know a bit more than that. So let's just get to that first point of knowing a bit more. Um, mm. And let's leave all of these questions. Like, there's some questions I can answer. Am I happier here? Yes. Am I closer to the creative career that I want? Yes. Am mm. I surrounded by people who are really, really cool? Yes. Do I know what I want to be? No. Okay. Then let's leave that to a point where I can find out. Let's leave that to a point where I can answer that. And let's yeah. make this, let's make the point that I'm at now about answering those questions in the future that I can't answer right now. Um, mm. And yeah, and I think that mindset, I think that mindset really helped specifically with anxieties around me creatively. <clears throat> But also that mindset has kind of helped with me dealing with just general worries in life. Um, mm. Like there are some, like there are some worries that are actionable. Like yeah. if you're worried about a test, study for the test. Um, mm. But like, if you're worried what your tutor is going to think of you, you can't really control that. You so <laughs> there's less point worrying about those kinds of things. Yeah. Um, yeah, and to kind of like to fill your to fill your mind, to fill your environment, to fill your perspective. Um, when you find yourself worrying about those things, to the specifically things you can't control, to fill your mind with other things, um, and to find yeah. other better ways of um, of taking up time and taking things that can take up residence in your brain. Mm. Yeah, that's so good. Um, let's start talking about enough said and kind of what triggered that so obviously enough said is centered on you know not just talking about diversity in the creative industries at a face value level because a lot of people talk about diversity we've seen various films have black versions of this character and that character and we've seen progress well from my perspective I think mainly in terms of the film industry but I guess there's a lot of crossover with um fashion and advertising and stuff like that definitely but yeah now it's come to the point where we want to see um more nuanced perspectives of Mm. black identity um in a sense like it's not yeah sorry Sorry, i'll let you continue (laughs) um no i was just gonna be like nah yeah but also like we've wanted that for time (laughs) oh yeah yeah for time yeah definitely like we've this is uh i always whenever we whenever enough said talks to clients or we talk to different agencies and they're like and yes this is a thing that like you know it's really ahead right now and we want to deal with it and i'm like this has been a problem for ages you yeah. know yeah like we've this is not the first time um if we even if we're talking about the black lives matter protest like this is not the first time an innocent black person has been shot and killed oh yeah yeah definitely. yeah you know mm-hmm. um this is not the first time that we've looked at our the creative industry and gone, yeah, it's majorly male and white, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, these have been issues for ages. Um, mm-hmm. I think if we're going to specifically talk about Nuff Said, I, there was an article about two and a half years ago written by mm-hmm. Jahid Hussain in Intern Magazine, which was, which was called Whitewashed. And it was all about how he had basically never been taught by someone who looked like him. And we read mm. the article and we realized. Yo, that's, that's true, true, you know. Didn't, 
did you just do you, do you feel that as well i felt that i felt that i felt <laughs> like yeah it's how insane is that yeah um, apart from maybe like the odd teacher in secondary mm-hmm. school like and even then the black teachers even the, then the black teachers i had were just for a short period of time i think mm-hmm. that there was a there was a Ghanaian teacher i had in my secondary school who taught maths he just taught us statistics and occasionally he'd teach us in PE and then there was a black female teacher who we only had for a short amount of time doing history and she was even a supply teacher I don't think she was yeah. the main teacher Legit, no, but apart exactly from that him. never ever had and How then I had like an Asian crazy. teacher for science and that was it it's so crazy it's actually insane um yeah I've been alive for 22 years I've maybe been taught by two or three people that look like me mm um how does that even make any sense um and yeah. when we realized that we were like okay if, but that's how been our experience for like 20 years what mm. happens when we go into the creative industry which looks the same mm. are we do we want to spend our entire lives not being mentored by anyone that looks like us not being not working mm. with anyone that looks like us yeah like that's not... the see and again that's the nine to five trap right mm. like i mean it's, it's interesting how God works. Me and you, we both believe in God and we believe, <laughs> we don't believe in coincidences. So it's amazing because I'm thinking, even looking at the state of the NHS now, like to be, um, what were you studying for again to become? Uh, like, what was the person? Being a doctor. Uh, being a doctor. I mean, doc- especially black doctors, they don't have it easy. They really don't. They're mm. given the more difficult shifts um, and from what i've heard you know i've got family relatives working in the nhs and it's been really draining for them so it's like you know maybe it's for the better that you've ended up going in a more oh, creative it's, route it's definitely for yeah it's definitely, definitely yeah um, so yeah but yeah i think thinking enough said kind of came about because of that and we were thinking and for us it was all about how do we create change that we want to see in the industry um yep how can we make it so that the industry is ready for the next generation of creatives who are already mm. diverse? You know, um, if you look at yeah. places like Ravensbourne, you look at some place, not the whole of UAL, but if you look at some of the courses on UAL, uh, you see a diverse cohorts who are going to be graduating soon and want to be in places that recognize their difference, see that mm. as a valuable creative asset and are capable of communicating to and drawing out that difference so that it can like can come up can um become a part of more interesting creative solutions more interesting creative products you know Mm. um and that's kind of um what we've been doing so far we've had a couple of events where Mm. we've tried to bring together really really cool um diverse creatives who like own their own platforms or building really cool stuff, introducing them to the industry or introducing them to students, introducing students to industry, just as wow. many different people in the same room as possible so they can cross insights and learn from each other and grow together. Yeah. I'm afraid that is the end of this part of this interview. Um, stay tuned for the next part of the interview in the next episode thanks for listening, peace 
150 years of breakthroughs, milestones, and triumphs. 150 years of Children's National Hospital. 150 years of generous community support. You can give kids a future where they get freckles instead of chemotherapy and paper cuts instead of surgery. Children's National Hospital. 150 years stronger with your help. Please give today. Visit childrensnational.org slash 150 years. That's childrensnational.org slash 150 years. Some cars are comfy on the inside, but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower, but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone.